Well, hey, I just wanna welcome John. I'll let, I'm just gonna pray for John. And Jesus, I thank you for my brother and friend. Thank you for how you've used this guy in this house and this city uh, for decades, Lord, and just the way that you've blessed him, uh, Lord, and his family and his ministry. Pray you'd speak to him and speak through him today and that you'd just bless him. Thank you for the opportunity to have him share with us. And we just bless you. It's your name we pray, Father, amen. 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 Thanks, Brian. Hey. My name's John. Uh, so I have these reading glasses, and I don't know how they're going to work up here, so we'll do a little bit of a dance. It is a phenomenal uh, honor to be with you this morning, to be back in this house. I am so incredibly proud of this body and the way that you have persevered and endured and been through these really hard, challenging seasons, and you've weathered it well, and you show up on Sunday morning, and you're hungry for Jesus and the Spirit's moving, and I couldn't be more proud of you. Let's pray. Oh, God, I am so thankful for what you are doing in and through this body of believers. We are honored to be a part of your body, Jesus. You are the head. We belong to you. You've grafted, that's what the communion wafer is, is you grafting us into your body, your purpose, your plan. And then paying the price for us to do that, cleansing us and renewing us. And so we just step into that. And we say, God, our good and faithful Savior, Redeemer, would you come and speak to us this morning? Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? We need it. Amen. Awesome. So um, we are going to look at the parable of the sower uh, today which is found in Matthew 13, and it's, um, it's been one of my favorite passages like my whole life. So we're gonna get some little nuggets from the last 35 years, and honestly from the last three to five days because it's, you know, the word's alive, so it's good. Um, so hopefully that'll be an encouragement to you. We're gonna start by just reading the opening of the parable from Jesus. And so this is in the NIV. I don't know what you guys read out of, but... When I came into this fine family, it was necessary in Vineyard to read that translation. Do we have a slide or should I read off my book? Oh, there it is. Awesome. We're in. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprung up quickly. (laughs) It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Then he turns to them and he says, to him who has ears, let him hear. Okay, okay, wait. I have more to say than Jesus because he was incredibly efficient. But if you were standing on the shore that day, that was the end of the talk. 
Like, go figure out your spiritual lesson from that. Right? Well, he was telling us, obviously, that we need to survey the land beforehand to make sure we know where the weeds are blowing in from the neighbor's field so we don't put any seeds there. You know, I, what, what's the lesson? What, what are we supposed to learn from that? Like, it's so, I can't imagine standing on the shore and having him say that and trying to figure out what that means. Maybe he was mad at the seed flinger, right? Like, you did not adequately take care of your resources, young man. You went out and flung seeds everywhere. 75% of them went into unfertile places. What were you thinking? Or it could have been a secret pitch for the carpenters' union, because Jesus was a carpenter, and he was trying to get us to realize that they measure twice and cut once. I think the disciples are sitting in the boat and going, they're trying to figure out, how do we do a fish thing out of the grain thing? Like, where does this even connect? They're totally confused. Fortunately, they were confused enough that in wondering that, they asked Jesus for a little tutorial in the back of the boat. So if we look at our next verse, I think I'm going to stick with the Bible. Nothing personal. (laughs) Disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And at first read, the initial take on this is these words of Jesus seem pretty arbitrary. Like it's his decision and he has favorites. And I think as we read further, we're going to see that that's really not the case. So let's press in. We're going to look now at verse 13 and 14. And there he says, this is why... I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. The experience of God's presence is given to everyone. Everyone that he has created has a testimony and a witness of the living God within them. Everyone gets to hear and to see. You're here this morning and you're hearing, right? And Jesus is like, a lot of times we hear and we don't understand. We're seeing things happen. But in seeing, we don't always perceive what's going on. This happened to the people of Israel leaving Egypt. They saw all the stuff that God did. And they didn't perceive his presence, his love, his care for them at all. So Jesus presses in and he says, however, those who see and perceive, who embrace this, who respond to it, who allow it to form their decisions, their values, and their actions, receive more. And they have an abundance. They get the secrets of the kingdom. And I'm not going to jump into that because that feels like a really sticky wicket. Right? So I have some thoughts on the secrets of the kingdom, but they're probably heretical, so I'm going to keep them to myself. Um, So those that are pursuing God, that are perceiving and responding to what they're seeing and what they're hearing are gaining in abundance. Conversely, everyone, everyone here, everyone created in the image of God gets to hear. But if we disregard it, if we do not respond to it, if we do not allow it to form our decisions, our values, and our actions... 
it goes away. What little we were given, that little bit that is in there is gone, but it's not punitive, it's not a penalty. The muscle is atrophying because we're not exercising it. We're not stepping into it, right? Equal opportunity God, he loves all his kids all the time. We have to respond, we have to perceive, we have to understand, we have to move forward, okay? Gonna, <clears throat> I think <clears throat> in this first part, it seems like Jesus and Isaiah are both kind of talking about our condition, but we'll see as Isaiah pushes in a little bit that he actually starts to talk about how we're, we're complicit in that, how we actually do the hardening that goes on. So let's look at verse 15. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So that first part, Isaiah tells us that we don't see, we don't hear, and we have a hard heart, a calloused heart. So what calluses our heart? I think disappointment, failure, betrayal, hatred grows up in our heart. That just makes our heart hard. And if we don't process those things, if that stuff happens to us in our life, which does that stuff happen in your life? Absolutely, yes. That's part of being on a planet that's in the process of being redeemed and is still pretty broken. And all those things happen to us and it has the potential to harden our hearts. He says, you know, maybe for us, we like love Jesus and kind of fell into the thing, but we get kind of tired. Like my heart gets hard because it's hard turning the other cheek. It's hard praying for those who persecute me. It's hard to keep going in when we're not seeing any fruit. And we kind of get to like, what's the point? Like, what am I doing? It makes our heart hard. It's wounded me. And now that wound is kind of scarred over. In hearing, he says that we barely hear. We barely hear. We've allowed so much static, so much volume and noise into our heads that we, we barely hear what God's saying. When we were worshiping, the silence that happened in those breaks in between was kind of profound, wasn't it? Amen. I mean, it was a pregnant silence. It was quiet, but it was not empty. We want to be in that place. Like, that's the place where God connects and speaks, that's it. And we've got so many argumentative people from you know, this station and that station and this noise from there that we just don't have any margin. We can barely hear. And he says that we've closed our eyes. Not that we can't see. I've chosen to close my eyes. Why, do I, why would I close my eyes? Well, maybe like I've, I, I want to close because I just want to be satisfied with what I've done. I've done enough. I wrote my check. I did my time. I went to group. Like, can I just close my eyes and be done? Or maybe we look, and when we look, we're just absolutely overwhelmed at the brokenness that surrounds us. And it's untenable. Like, we can't even stomach it. It is so painful to see what God's children are doing to each other. 
the way we're manipulating each other in our companies and these, just all the stuff, right? We just get tired and we don't want to look. We just want to close our eyes and make it go away. Or maybe we've done this and we're just uncertain about what's next for us. It's, it's, there's so many choices, so many options. God, what do you want me to do? Oh, I don't know. And we just shut down. We just close. There's a billion reasons why we would close our eyes. <clears throat> but the invitation from God in this, he says, otherwise, so we can stay in that place. He says, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Turning and being healed. I want to talk about the turn. Every day, God's going to give you an invitation to turn towards him. Every day, he wants to turn. And the turn is a big deal. Because my turns don't come like, oh, God, I'm ready to meet you. Won't this be wonderful? It's going to be so warm and fuzzy. I'm showing up, and I've got a calloused heart, ears that barely hear, and eyes that are squinched shut. And I turn to him anyway, and I say, I need the healing. The turn, the turn is your only option. It's the only choice you have. And it's not a one and done choice. It's the daily choice. We turn and we say, Lord, your way, not my way. Right? He's trustworthy. It's not a horrible risk, but it's certainly not easy. So the turn is a really big deal. When we do that, the turn puts us in a position to receive from the king, to receive healing. So today, you will hear an invitation from me that's gonna be echoing an invitation that's going on in your heart right now from the king of kings to turn, to turn towards him because he wants to bring healing. Notice he doesn't say, I wanna bring salvation. Salvation is part of our healing, but it's a really thin slice of the pie. Jesus has something in mind that's this big, right? The good news of the kingdom is about him coming and conquering and restoring everything to the way it should be, and it begins in us. So the good news is he's going to transform my relationships. He's going to make me a relatable person. He's going to transform the brokenness in my mind that believes lies, and he's going to drive them out and bring in truth. The gospel is that he is going to restore the environment. He's going to restore our bodies. Like the, the, the healing of your body is this little thing that's tangible for us, that's a token of all the great stuff inside us that God wants to do. I think today when we start praying, that you're gonna get physically healed while you're doing business on completely separate matters because the, this is healing and this is transformation of our minds and our hearts and our spirits by the power of God. He's gonna bring it, it's gonna happen. So, that's good stuff, isn't it? And that really is, like the gospel is so huge. You know, we've, we've just dumbed it down a, a, just a bit too much. And God's not dumb. And he's able to help us 
gain in his wisdom and understanding. And so God's got really good stuff and a lot of it for us. As we turn towards him, we have to turn. Turning is essential, okay? So let's look at the soil of our hearts. I'm gonna go back to our parable and see if there's not some soul gardening that we can turn into and do with the Holy Spirit this morning, okay? So fortunately for us, when Jesus dropped the mic on the crowd, he picked it back up and whispered into the ears of the disciples and told them what that stuff means. So we're gonna look at that now. This is picking up in 13, and we're gonna pick it up at uh, verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. I wanna pause for just a second. So the scenario that Jesus is setting up is he talks about that seed being the message of the kingdom. This is the good news, the, the whole good news, like the, the big enchilada, not the sample size, you get to go to heaven. This is all of it. The seed falls and it has all of that in it. Transformation, renewal, restoration, healing, redemption, all the stuff. And he says, it's in the soil of our heart. So the context of this is the good news of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus Christ falling into our hearts. Okay, and then this is what happens. So he's, the first one we read there was the path, right? It fell on the path. And uh, there's my place, thank you. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, make it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it, and he produces a crop yielding a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. So let's look at these soil types and just open your heart right now and let God speak to you because this is how God does business is he re helps us recognize, right? This is the time to perceive what God's saying to you, okay? So the first soil that he talks about is the um, hard soil, the path. So if you think about a path, it's been walked on, tromped on, trampled on, stomped on for a long time. And everybody goes there and does it. Any places in your heart feel like you've been stepped on like that? Are there places that are hard, that are wounded? It's almost impenetrable. One of the realities for us is if we engage in unforgiveness, unforgiveness creates hard places in our hearts. As a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it's, it's not part of his body and his family. We can't function that way. It's destructive all the time, every time. So 
when we have unforgiveness and the gospel comes and lands in that place, it just, it can't penetrate. It can't take root. There's no way for it to happen. And forgiveness for disciples of Jesus Christ is both the mark and the fruit of his gospel. So if you're not operating generously and liberally in forgiveness, the gospel is not bearing fruit in your life. This is the one, the enemy snatches it away. Like, it's so hard to hear because our heart gets hard because we've really been hurt. This is not the easy stuff. This isn't the sweet by and by Jesus. These are the things where we've been really wounded, really offended, really broken. And Jesus is the only one that can go back and deal with that. And he wants to. Hard soil, hard soil in our hearts. The rocky soil is places in our hearts that have suffered from persecution and tribulation, causing us to fall away. So that's stuff coming from the outside, right? Persecution and tribulation because of the word. People are affecting us and afflicting us because of that. These could be the parts of our heart that have been betrayed or abused or suffering injustice. And these rocks, develop in the soil that need to be removed for that soil to become fruitful. Things in our past that are dictating our current reality cause depression because we feel powerless to deal with them. We serve a God of power. That does not have to be the case. That does not have to be the case. Are you perceiving the invitation of the king? The thorny soil is good seed that's been choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. It began well, but it was made unfruitful by internal distractions, right? I'm not focused, or I'm focused on the wrong things. I've been investing my time, my energy, my money and things that don't pay out what I thought they were going to pay out. I finally climbed to the top of the ladder and realized it was leaning against the wrong wall. This is not where I want to be. Internal desires. I put too many things in front, and I just it chokes out the opportunity that God wants to bring real life to us. So it's critical that we learn that. So this would be, you know, are things in your future Things that you can't control, concerns that we all have, but they're really out of our control. We're powerless. Are those things dictating your current reality? That's sure to cause anxiety. It certainly will. Guess what? Jesus is there. His promise is not that those things won't come and it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns, but his promise is that he will be with us in that. So if you're recognizing weeds that are growing up and stealing peace and getting you consumed with things that you can't address, turn to God and address the things you can. Address the things you can. Then we come to the good, good soil. The good soil presents minimum... 30% what was sown. Not 30% what was sown in the good soil spot. 30% what was sown. 
God redeems it all because that is his style. <laughs> his redemptive style is abundant and extravagant and more than we could ask or imagine. What Jesus said to his disciples was no one has left mother, brother, family, home, field that will not receive 100 times as much now with persecution, right? It's not coming for free. It's not an investment deal. It's his generosity and his kindness. And in the future, life. God, we can't outgive him. He's trustworthy with everything that we bring his way, absolutely everything. So I want you to prepare. That's, I wanted to teach through this, and I just want to pray for you guys. We had a lot of fun doing that last week. So we're going to prepare for some ministry time, and I, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and I want to um, just, honestly, some of you already are aware of what God is speaking to in your heart. You've perceived it, and if you're in that place, you can come up here and start talking to Jesus about that and begin your turning. I'm going to do some other things to invite people to join you. But I'm just, if you already know what God, what God is inviting you into, I would invite you to come and respond to that. It's really, it's that simple. This is an invitation. Every good thing that God does begins with us accepting his invitation and moving towards him. Okay, we have to act. Um, so, if you're not sure what that is, let me dig around in your heart for a little bit and we'll find some stuff. Deal? You don't sound too confident. <laughs> right now, there's text messages going out like, Ryan, you're not inviting this guy back, are you? He's meddling. Okay, so what I learned about John is that all four of those soil types are in my heart at all times. And I desperately wanted Jesus to fix it all the first time. Like, I just so wanted to be good. And I couldn't. I just couldn't. And I would say, I can't. I'm still not good. But I'm getting good at turning, <laughs> which is what we need to be good at. Because we always are dependent on the king. He is always bringing what we need. That's why we have to turn again and again and again. So some of you have hearts of your heart that are, feel like the path. They're so hard. They're so wounded. They're so walked on that getting near them almost causes a breakdown. Like it is, it is just, it's a wrecked, wrecked place and you don't look at it because it hurts so bad. And I am so sorry that that has happened to you. And I, I can't fix it. I don't, I, you can't even tell me about it enough for me to comprehend it. But Jesus knows Jesus knows completely. He understands. He has those wounds. And he's trustworthy. If you're willing to come into the light, and that's a big ask. Like, I, I totally get that. But if you're willing to bring that into the light, Jesus can deal with it. When we keep our stuff in the dark, he can't. We don't give him permission. So if you're wrestling with some life-altering 
event that occurred that has really hardened your heart, if you've been raped, if you've had abuse in your life that causes you to have suicidal ideation, like that kind of stuff, Jesus wants to heal. So you don't have to break that business out here. You can. There's people here that will confidentially care for you and pray for you. But someone that you trust somewhere needs to see that thing come out of the dark so that Jesus can deal with it. You're doing all the work yourself. You just need a witness. It makes it different for us. Does that make sense? There's just got to be another person there. Okay. Um, The other thing is in recognizing um, the, the rocks in your soil, right? The external pressure that causes stuff of unforgiveness and these, these offenses to build up in us. You know, soul gardening is kind of a daily occurrence. Like, we've got to go out and work the soil. And so if God's got his finger on something, where there was a, some joke made at your expense or something else that just caused offense to you that you've not let go of, God wants that today. He wants to clear that out. The soil that is rocky, the soil that is hard, the soil that is weedy can become productive if we give Jesus access. It can become fruitful soil. The internal pressures, if you recognize that Jesus is inviting you to maybe change some priorities, switch some things up, you've been barking up the wrong tree, so to speak, And uh, just you're feeling the presence of God saying, you need to realign what's going on. You need to pull some weeds out of the garden to make room for good fruit. And the good soil, which, you know, we all love talking about the good soil. My my pastor, uh, Cliff, says, you know, when we talk about the sheep and the goats, nobody ever sees themselves as a goat. And I was kind of like, hmm, busted, totally busted. Um, But if we've been in church for a while, like most of our big obvious things are kind of gone. And I start to feel that I'm going to close my eyes because I've done enough. I'm going to coast for a bit. This is okay. And we just need to repent. We need to tell God we're sorry and invite him to come in because there's still more to do. And it's not, he's not berating us. He's inviting us to grow in life. This is a gift. Repentance is never, it's just never a punitive thing. It's an invitation from God to set things right. So if you've been, you know, hanging around for a while and things are going pretty good, God's still speaking. He's still inviting you in. He wants to give you a message that's a a fuller gospel for yourself and for others. If you've been around here for a while, you've probably grown some good fruit. Well, what that does, that good fruit, is we sow that seed as well because of all these great things that God does to heal and restore us in his redemptive purpose. This one got incredible traction in my life. I got delivered from addiction and alcoholism and I get to walk in freedom today. Come on. Right? That then, when you sow that seed, the person that's still struggling and suffering is like, I resonate with that. You're an authentic example of that. That's good fruit. 
So what we're trying to do is get more of that. Like, Jesus, I want you to heal more because I want to connect with more people. I want more people to see that you are a good and generous God that changes things in real ways, not in my brain, but in my life and my world. And actually also in my brain, but not just there. Um, Some of you are here today and the Jesus thing has been kind of a mystery to you. It hasn't made sense. Hopefully this made sense. But Lucas last Sunday did a, a really wonderful job. If you're in a place where you have not said yes to Jesus, you're not, and what that means is like trusted him. Like Jesus, I trust that you've got good for me and I wanna grow a relationship with you. I'm gonna put all my eggs in your basket. It costs everything. It's the best thing you could ever invest in, ever. Better than Apple. Right? All my eggs in that bag. That's what he wants. He wants it all. But it's for our good. It's for our good. So if you're in that place where you haven't done that yet and you're still weighing that, and the thing that kept me out of the the kingdom for so long, I grew up in church and I was like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like I just couldn't stand the thought of believing things I didn't act in and live in. I don't want to be one of those. The church is full of those. Yes, the church is full of those. I am still one. I believe that God is so good that there's no way I could ever represent that. So don't let that stuff hold you back. Lucas reminded us of a story. The ninth book in the Bible is about a kid at this point named Samuel. So the first three chapters tell the story of the beginning of Samuel's life. And Samuel goes to the temple to live with the priest Eli. And they lay down one night to go to bed. And he hears, Samuel, Samuel. And he jumps up and he runs to Eli's bed. And he says, here I am, master. You called me. He said, I didn't call you. Go to bed. Get away from me, boy. You bother me. So Samuel goes back to bed. Samuel, Samuel, runs back to Eli. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. A third time, same thing. Eli realizes God's calling him. Says to Samuel, go back and lay down. And when you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now listen, you don't have to do something to start relationship with Jesus with me. But if you pray that prayer, God is faithful. He loves you. He wants relationship with you, and he will speak if you will clear enough air to hear and open your eyes to see. He wants you to understand. So that simple prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, is a great entrance into this adventure with Jesus and brand new life. Now, if you want to pray that with us, the ministry team's going to come up here. We're going to worship, but if that has convicted you, please stand. Um, If there's things that you want to do business with God here, I just want to encourage you to come down and do that. But we're going to stand and worship, yeah? Awesome.